Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 16, Sentence to Life. Mary, what happened this week? Dylan and Andrea's discussion on Bukowski is interrupted by the mailman. Dylan has been charged with a DUI and must appear in court. He gets some free legal advice from Jesse, but he doesn't like it. Jesse gives him the number of a real lawyer who can who will charge him money to tell him the same thing. Meanwhile, Andrea runs into the laundromat guy at the laundromat again. She lets him assume she lost his number and lets him flirt with her while she folds and soothes a crying Hannah. Jesse runs into Dylan after court, where it went exactly the way Jesse said it would, and Dylan's just fine with it now. He rides the bus home. Later, Hannah is running a fever of 103, so Andrea and Jesse take her to the emergency room. It turns out laundromat guy is actually Dr. Laundry. Andrea introduces Jesse and Hannah as her husband and daughter. Dr. Laundry pulls Andrea aside and is like, why didn't you tell me Hannah's your baby? Then Andrea finds out he's also married and is appalled that she's that he's been flirting with her. Dr. Laundry says he got married young for all of the wrong reasons and assume Andrea did the same. Andrea is offended. But, like, where's the lie here? Oh, yeah. No, it was all projecting. Right? Like, she and Jesse should be co-parenting, not married. Yeah, probably. I mean, they did the quote-unquote right thing, I guess, but for the 90s, I would say. Because today's right doesn't always equal what it was in the 90s. Yeah, and I do wonder, like, how controversial that might have seemed to be in, like, a primetime Wednesday slot or something. Like, maybe they were legit, like, no, Andrea has to get married. Like, we can do, like, the accidental pregnancy because – Gabrielle Carteris was pregnant, but, like, she's right. going to have to marry the guy. Well, and I could have seen it going one of two ways. It was either, like, she gets married or it was a one-night stand and the father's, like, completely out of the picture kind of situation. And see, I, yeah, I thought about that, but the thing is, they're avocado heads. Right. They're too good to have one-night stands where these things happen. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, like, even honestly, this whole storyline up and, you know, aside from the whole Peter and Andrea flirting is very, like, good kid things. Like, Dylan has sobered up and is literally like, oh, it's time to face the music for the things that I did. Yeah. He's, like, reading Bukowski with Andrea, which for a second I was like, is Dylan Doc Shepard? <laughs> I mean, oh my God, kind of. <laughs> Motorcycles, Bukowski alcoholism like and like very open about these things like a very a reader kind of a lone wolf but has like a close friend you know I I'm just saying I could see Brenda being the Kristen Stewart or Kristen Stewart oh my god I got my brain (laughs) short-circuited no I could see Brenda being Kristen Bell as well. Thank you. Yes. And Kelly somehow being Dax's longtime ex-girlfriend, Brie. (laughs) (laughs) My God. Do they know this? Should we tell them? I'm just saying. And I want to say Dax has brought up 
Beverly Hills 90210 a bunch of times on its podcast. So, oh, they've definitely brought it up before. Yeah. So anyway, but they're like rating Bukowski, right? And Dylan is all of a sudden like, man, if I could have written like that, you know, I wouldn't even have my demons or whatever he says. He's like, I could just get it all out. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily false because it's an outlet, right? But I still think he, he has his own trauma. I think it's very interesting that like of all the poets that Andrea could have brought him, she picked Bukowski. Like Mm -hmm. maybe pick somebody who's not Bukowski. I don't know enough (laughs) to come up with another name, but like. Maybe pick someone who's not, who didn't also like struggle heavily with lifelong substance abuse issues. Yeah, exactly. Like Like, I can understand why that could be like cathartic to read those things but maybe not while you're recovering it's more cathartic when you're fucking going through it true yeah maybe not like immediately after he gets out of rehab yeah because it almost like Bukowski almost makes it cool to have that issue right so yeah it it was a choice it was I fine. understand it like I totally yeah. get it but yeah, anyway, so Dylan, like as he they're chatting about Bukowski, which I I actually kind of love that we get another Dylan and Andrea scene, because if you remember when Dylan was going through his his very much rock bottom, Andrea was like mad at him for not coming to see Hannah. And that kind of like caused a big strain in their friendship and we know that they didn't have like such a deep friendship beforehand but they were at least close enough to where they were like literary friends perhaps they shared a few things in common and so now that we've seen Dylan going to uh, Andrea's for Christmas and being Santa a Santa now she's like okay I can trust you again you made you made good on what was wrong so now we can hang out again and they are and I actually love that we see that I know I love it a lot like honestly it makes a lot of sense for Dylan to be spending time with Jesse and Andrea right now and like yeah not not just because he has legal problems and Jesse's a lawyer but like you know I feel like his relationship with Brandon is going to be strained because of Kelly like he's had a strained relationship with Steve before like he and Valerie really need to not be near each other right now so Mm -hmm. like Andrea is a really good friend with him. Like you said, like they have been like literary friends before when he wrote on the newspaper and she like read all of his writing. Like, I want to get back to that. I want them to just hang out. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. But yeah, they get interrupted by the mailman coming to like serve him because Mm -hmm. he's, he's got his DUI. And I really loved that he said time to face the music and then the credits immediately played with the music. Yeah, I know. That was great. It was so silly and I loved it. It was also very like current. Like that's stuff that shows now do. You know, they have like an excellent segue into the opening credits. Like my favorite kind of opening is when a character tells another character something shocking and the other character is just like what and then credits you know like very much like shock boom nope you're not going to hear about it right now you're gonna get the opening credits (laughs) so this was kind of one of those situations where it was just like time to face the music 
go to the credits. So, yeah. Well, and like I do think it's pretty far into the episode before we even see any of them again, right? Yeah, I think so. Like we have to go pretty far into the episode and even then we see Andrea doing laundry and like playing with baby Hannah while Dr. Laundry shows up. Mm-hmm. I will say he's pulling off the Sean Hunter hair quite well here. He's not unattractive. Like I totally get it. But also Andrea, you're married. Even if right. you're married for the wrong reasons, you're married. Yeah. You made a vow. And at least I guess in this scene, she doesn't like, she kind of flirts back, but it wasn't as blatant as the first time. Like, she liked the attention the first time, but then she did throw away his phone number. You know, it was like she didn't intend to see this guy again. She probably thought this was just a chance meeting at the laundromat and she'll probably never see him again. But no, he's he's like, I don't know. He's You can tell he's trying to spit a little game with the whole phone number and why didn't you call me and like all this kind of stuff. But she also com- or he also comments again about how she's a babysitter. And I'm just like, ooh. We are not starting off on the right foot here. <laughs> right? Like, take the hint, sir. Yeah. But no, I I do agree with you. I don't think she ever anticipated seeing him again. Like, this is a completely different time of day. Like, it is the same laundromat. But I honestly think if they hadn't run into each other in the emergency room with Hannah, like, she probably would just never have seen him again. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that too. Yeah. And then presumably at the same time I don't know um Jesse and Dylan are at the peach pit and Jesse's giving him this legal advice being like you know you're best off just like getting a lawyer throwing yourself at the mercy of the courts because you know they found you under the influence but they didn't find anything in your car so they really don't have anything on you you're probably just going to get probation and like maybe lose your license for a little while so I got a little confused on that because I thought they found heroin in his car or at least like whatever he was using to in, in ingest the heroin. Well, so Dylan even says like they didn't look hard enough. So maybe, I mean, this has to be a retcon of some kind, just they could like actually just make Dylan ride the bus for the rest of the season. <laughs> right. It just doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah. But I mean, whatever, that's fine. Dylan doesn't like this advice, though. He he literally says he wants the judge to, like, throw the book at him. And I'm like, but Dylan, what, what does that mean? Like, a DUI has a ceiling, right? Like, it's not like you can be thrown in jail for 10 years for a DUI. So I, I don't know what he expected outside of what Jesse says the punishment will be. Well, and presumably this is his first offense. Right. Right. Was he arrested that one time or was that Brenda? No, that was Brandon's DUI where he went. I'm trying. I'm like having. You're memory- thinking back through everyone. Yeah. And like who was in the jail for what reasons? And I think Dylan and yeah. Brenda went to go get Brandon. Dylan and Kelly went to go get Brenda. Oh, and okay. Brandon spent the night in jail from his DUI, but he wasn't in a coma. So like Dylan just went straight to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve's been arrested but I don't know that we ever saw him in jail yeah so yeah presumably this is his first offense or at least the one that we've seen yeah so I mean like a DUI is not good and I don't know what California you know law was like in 1995 but 
Yeah. Presumably, the odds are pretty good that he would just get probation and lose his license for a little while, maybe community service. Honestly, probably what Steve got for burning a house down. Yeah, this is essentially a worse punishment for a DU, like as a DUI, than for arson. (laughs) (laughs) And like Jesse even says, if he gets a good lawyer, it could even get like a lot, it could be really good. But then he gives him the name of an expensive lawyer, and I shouldn't be like, Jesse. We know he has no money. Yeah. I caught that too. And I'm like, where's Jonesy, first of all? I guess he's <laughs> doing his research down in Brazil or wherever he was going. But yeah, it's like, I don't think Dylan has the money even for you, Jesse. <laughs> no, he probably came to Jesse because he was just like, y- you need hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is a good analogy, right? I love that Jesse is just, like, lawyer. He's just, like, on retainer. (laughs) He really is just, like, available to them at all times. Yeah. For any kind of law. He's not specialized yet. No. I mean, like, he's he's run into Steve at the courthouse. He went to student law and order with Brandon. (laughs) Forgot about that one. I didn't even classify that in the same realm. (laughs) Like, next he's going to go to Jim's office and settle some, like, I don't know, some accountant thing or or a, a workplace, like, uh, words, um, uh, the thing where you fire like, somebody and they get mad about it. Wrongful termination. There we go. <laughs> he's just going to do it all. And then and he's, he's going to be all. able to use it for whatever firm he then eventually goes to work for. And, like, you see this resume? This is how you get experience before having experience. They're like, why should we hire you? Let me tell you about my stupid white friends. (laughs) Truth. So true. I feel like they would be more like, why do you you hang out with them? (laughs) Why are you hanging out with all of these criminals and then representing (laughs) them to get them out of trouble? He's going to have every example in the book. (laughs) Yeah, he's going to be like, I could do it all. What are you hiring I'm a, for? I'm I'm qualified. I'm a jack of all trades. He really is. Like he really at is. this point. He knows so much. But I yeah, know. so then like then later, outside of the legal advice, like Hannah gets a fever and she's crying like crazy. And I gotta say, that baby, what do they do to it? Because she cries. <laughs> All the time. And it's not like you hear like the baby's facing one way and you hear like a a, a, a baby cry or whatever sound effect. No, no. <laughs> Hannah freaking cries. <laughs> I wonder if they just like pinch her, you know, like oh, just I give her a little not. pinch. I'm just thinking, you know, you can't like tickle their foot or something. It has to be like a little like pinch. I hope they she- like just wait until she's already sad and then film the scene and then make her happy again. Oh my gosh. I was just thinking, I hope she's like actually teething. And so like maybe they called and they were like, hey, I don't think like this baby in particular can be in these scenes because she's teething. So she's in a bad mood. And they were like, no, no, no. We want that. (laughs) Give us bad mood, baby. (laughs) Yeah, because she's just like absolutely miserable. She's got this 103 degree fever. It's not going down. Jesse calls the hospital who's like, you know, it's normal for babies to, like, run fevers, but not for this long, so bring her in. hmm Which, sure, we'll go sure. with that, right? Yeah. 
And it turns out Dr. Laundry is the pediatrician on call in the emergency room. Yep. And they just keep staring at each other. Like, I wrote that down. I was like, they are making eyes over this baby. And Jesse's just like off to the side. I couldn't tell if it was like hard eyes, if it was shock, or if it was just like, I know you. Who's this guy? And why is the babysitter with the baby? You know? Why are you still with this baby? Yeah. I couldn't exactly tell. I couldn't really tell. It kind of felt a little like longing, but like, yeah. What is it like? Kind of that whole idea of like, oh, this is wrong. This is forbidden. Mm. Mm -hmm. But like, the, uh, hold on. I'm drumming up a Taylor Swift lyric. Um, It was an illicit affair type of stare. Illicit affairs is the name of one of the songs. So, (laughs) oh, I got it. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, and so then later on, like at the hospital, Dr. Laundry tells Andrea that Hannah's fine, but then they kind of step to the side and and, and he's pouring her coffee, which I'm like, was there just like a communal coffee pot in the hospital? (laughs) I swear, like after watching this episode, I have watched other episodes of television and I'm just seeing like coffee pots out in the wild. And I'm just like, was this real or is TV just like, you know, we need like a water cooler, but not a water cooler, a coffee pot. But it's not even like a commercial sized coffee pot. It's like a little like six cup coffee pot. Yeah, it was like a Mr. Coffee coffee pot. And anyway, so so Peter pours her some coffee or him. It wasn't clear. And Dr. Laundry wants to know why she didn't tell him that she's Hannah's mom. And then he's like. By the way, fling, and he just like shows her his ring, which was he just not wearing it before? Because I feel like we would have noticed. Right. I was wondering about that as I was like, wouldn't both of them be wearing rings of some kind? Like Andre and Jesse got married young. They might not have something flashy, but I'm sure she has something. She has at least what Peter has, the little band, you know? So, and then she like, Andrea gets all high and mighty and self-righteous and classic Andrea, honestly, at times, where she's just like, I'm sorry, you're married? And it's like, Kettle, please, meet pot. Right? (laughs) And like, he does the same thing back to her. He's like, no, we got married way too young and I'm betting that you did too. And this is when the first seed of doubt is planted. Which like, no, just... No, I they haven't been married that long, right? And I think, for me at least, if—and I know the answer—but if Jesse and Andrea break up, they no longer want to be married to each other. I'm okay with that. However, I'm not okay with a cheating or an affair or mm-hmm. some sort of like I didn't. Uh, what's the word? I didn't play the field enough you know I didn't get enough experience out there I don't need to hear that that's not interesting to me what would be interesting is like you were saying earlier with the whole co-parenting thing they just realize they're not right for each other to me that's more interesting because it's like yeah you realize we didn't know each other that long and now that we've gotten to know each other we're on totally different sides of the coin here yeah like 
I, I just feel like, you know, co-parenting, like we still get a lot of the same stuff. Like, you know, they'd still be having the arguments about which religion to raise Hannah in. And frankly, we'd probably get a little more drama with them of like actual fighting of like, well, Hannah had a fever and you weren't there. Right. Like we could still have so much drama with the two of them or even like Andrea trying to date someone while she's got the baby, especially if it's going to be the baby's doctor. Mm hmm. Like it's all right there. You could have had it all and just not done the wedding. Well, and that's the thing for me is like because at this point we're not affecting one like family now we've involved a second why make dr laundry married i like, mean, i understand it's to plant that seed of doubt and be like i also got married young it was a mistake also poor dr L mrs laundry or mrs dr, dr. Mrs. laundry <laughs> <laughs> no but I, you know what i mean why did they have to bring in somebody else like that is also married why not just bring in somebody else I hope if they're going to bring in the fact that he's married, that means we meet Mrs. Dr. Laundry. Yeah, me too. Sorry, it's not funny, but like, just Mrs. Dr. Laundry is. <laughs> I mean, what else are we going to call her at this point? I don't know. Mrs. Peter Blue. No, I don't <laughs> like that. I prefer Dr. Laundry. Yeah. Oh, None man. But anyway, I... yeah, here we are with with this. I mean, yeah, this is definitely, like, building up to be some sort of, like, rest of the season arc or at least, like, you know, little sprinkles as we go along. Like, there's no way that Dr. Laundry is just out of our lives and that Jesse and Andrea are going to work through this no problem. Like, there's going to be well, something drastic. Yeah, because at this point, Jesse has no idea, like, anything's going on. So, Jesse has to know at some point or... Which, like, they can't, like, in television, they can't just keep him in the dark. Yeah. In real life, you probably could. But, like, we're in television. We're in a drama. So he's got to find out at some point. Well, and he's supposed to be really smart. Yeah. And also, like, a bartender who flirts for extra tips. Like, I do feel like Jesse is primed to be, like, picking up on flirty eyes. And, and also, like... Ooh, how's that sitting with you, Andrea, knowing that you accused your husband of flirting with random people at a bar? And now, what are you doing? Look at your life. Look at your choices. I don't like college, Andrea. <laughs> yeah. I miss high school, Andrea. I do, too. She really should have gone to Yale with Jordan Bonner. Ugh. Yes, she should have. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the, like, fix-it fanfic that I need in my life. <laughs> Don't put it on Mary. She has too much. <laughs> I th to be fair, I think I already put it on Mary, like, six months ago. <laughs> yeah, it's too late. I've accepted that one. <laughs> it's, like, that one and then the one I was telling y'all about earlier mm. with Steve. With Ugh. Steve. I just want good things to happen to Steve. But we're not Ooh, to he... him yet. It's not time no, for not. him. He gotta he gotta do some good before he can be good. Right. Well anyway. So the last little bit for this is just Dylan, uh, we see him walking out of the courthouse. He's he Jesse's there, and Dylan is like mad. He's like, I can't believe I ever listened to you. La 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 la. And then Jesse's like, Well, what happened? And he's like, 
I got probation in and my license was suspended for a couple of months. And he just like fakes being mad at Jesse, I guess. He got me. Yeah, it was it was very well sold. He got me. I will say I am also very much looking forward to Bus Dylan. <laughs> I feel like that's just gonna be fun. I very much look forward to like oh my gosh, Dylan could have like public transit stories like I used to have when I would take the train to work where he's just like reading on the bus and someone comes over to talk to him about his book. Please let Dylan read a smutty book so that a fifty mid-50s like year old housewife can peer over his shoulder and just talk about whatever smutty scene is in it that he's reading. Please. Yeah. Just no, like that. I've read that one young man turn to page 73. You won't regret it. But then goes in detail. Like, <laughs> I need it. I'll never forget that woman for the rest of my uh, life. Neither will I. And I wasn't even there. <laughs> Mary, did I tell you about that? Now that Caitlin said something, I do vaguely remember. Yes. Yeah. So podcast listeners, quick story. Might cut it out. Uh, I was reading, I want to say, like, the second or third book in the Outlander series on the train coming home from work one day, and this woman sitting across from me looks at it and is like, oh, my gosh, I love those books. I watched the TV show, and, like, yeah, I had just wa- I had just read the books. I hadn't gotten to the TV show yet. I was like, oh, yeah, they're they're pretty good. And she was like, oh, and that wedding scene, and like, the wedding night. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was so sweet because I was just like, Wedding, sure, that sounds right. I'll say that. And then very loudly, this, who I'm sure is a very nice woman, said, that was the hottest sex I have ever seen on a train (laughs) during my afternoon commute. I'm sweating thinking about it. (laughs) I mean, I just want to have that kind of confidence when I'm that old. Not that old. I'm sure she wasn't that old, but like. She wasn't. Yeah. Like, I want to have the confidence to be like, just talking about sex and books and movies and TV, just on the train in front of people, not giving two shits about what people think. Who a stranger? Like, she knew <laughs> nothing about me. We had never seen each other before. And she was like, you know what I want to talk to you about? Full frontal nudity on stars. <laughs> I mean, in her defense, it's a pretty good scene for television, but, you know, maybe just don't mention it on the train in front of a lot of people. Yeah. No, I was definitely just like, yes. And then I went back to my book, put the headphones <laughs> in, immediately texted Caitlin. Yep. And then ran off the train. <laughs> oh, man. That's what I want for Dylan McKay. That's right. all that story. I want nothing more than that. Just like, oh my gosh, he gets on the tr- on the bus and he finds like one of those like $2 romance books you can get at the grocery store and it's just like, oh, I didn't bring anything to read. And just Dylan gets super into like Harlequin romance novels. Yes. Like a Daniel Steele type yes. of romance, like because that was big in the 90s. So it's appropriate. <laughs> yeah. The man with the long flowy hair and the, the woman Fabio. with like, the ripped bodice on top of a pirate ship. Yes. Like literally that might be an exact cover. <laughs> oh, I'm positive it is. There's no way I made that up. <laughs> oh, I could see Dylan being so into it and just reading every copy. 
I would I would be so happy. And they're yeah, they're cheap books. He could pick them up without having to be like, I have no money, I'm poor. Right. Ah. I would love it. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Um, but I think that's it for Dylan, right? Mm-hmm. All right, Mary. What else you got? Donna, David, and Claire interview Nat about the pee pad while filming an ad for Campus TV advertising auditions for club entertainment. Despite Ray neither having a band nor playing danceable music, Donna insists he play opening night. Even when he's like, no, I don't want to. She has David and Claire hold the spot open for him, hoping she can change his mind. She doesn't. He just kind of gets more mad that he won't or that Donna won't listen to what he wants. Do you ever think Ray sits at home and just thinks, I should have taken the money? (laughs) I mean, probably. I love Donna. She is a sweet baby angel, but they keep making her so dumb. I know. It's really upsetting. First of all, she has this, like, terrible on-screen camera work. She is screaming. (laughs) And I know there's, like, power tools going on in the background, but, like, maybe wait till they're done. Yeah. No, this is going to be a nightmare for them to try and, like, edit and put together and everything. And then, like, Nat does not want to be doing it. He's very stressed out. Like, why would you do this? I know. It's so uncomfortable. And then right after, Nat's like, yeah, can I go back to, yeah, okay, bye. And then, like, they mention it's going to be a, a open the pee pad's going to be opening again in a week and donna's like hey i know a thing ray sings so why doesn't he do opening night and david's like um because he's one guy and claire's like and he's a singer songwriter yeah he's very ballady and they've mm-hmm. heard him multiple times like she got him into the house party but that was in like the chill room not right. downstairs dance room but then david says like It's not worth fighting about. Donna can be relentless. Whatever. And then Donna says she has to go figure out who killed the Mockingbird. Which was kind of funny. It was adorable. And then it made (laughs) me think about how much I like to kill a Mockingbird. Oh, yeah. So good. So, you know, just for transparency, it is finals week. And everyone who is still in school at the moment is studying. Mm -hmm. So the next time we see... Donna and Claire and David, they're at the beach apartment studying. Ray comes over with a whole bunch of snacks for them, which is when Donna springs on him this surprise that he gets to play at opening night at the pee pad. And he's genuinely surprised. And he's like, wait, what? And then she's like, yeah, that'll be great. Like, it's going to be, you know, so many people are going to be there. It's going to be a great place to showcase your music. He's like, um, I don't want to do that. And she's like, why? And he's like, I mean, I'm kind of more of a songwriter. And she was like, but don't you want to be a musician? He was like, I mean, yeah, but, like, I don't want to do this. Why Why didn't you ask me first? And it was at this point in the episode that I realized it's kind of like Coyote Ugly. Hmm. Did you ever watch that movie? Yes, and it's been a long time. Where, like, she moves to New York because she wants to be a songwriter, but the only way for people to hear her songs is for her to go to, like, industry nights and sing them. But she has really bad stage fright, so she doesn't want to sing. She just wants to be a songwriter. Yep. It's cooking now. And her toxic boyfriend keeps trying to force her to go sing. But the movie makes it romantic. Right. Well, and that's the thing is like that's not a romantic – that's not a romantic thing. And 
Yeah, same thing here. Like, if Ray keeps saying he doesn't want to do this, like, Donna at least needs to talk to him about it versus what seems to happen where he says he doesn't want to do it. Like, loudly says this where Claire and David are in the room and then Donna's just like, no, no, hold the spot. He'll he'll do it. Mm-hmm. I know what's best for him. And then it's like not till later when – we're back at the beach apartment. David fell asleep while studying. He makes a good joke. And I'm like, Did, is that where it came from? Where he says that he's studying by uh, osmosis. Um, Claire ends up saying that Donna told them that Ray agreed to the set. So basically, Claire, unbeknownst to her, throws Donna under the bus by saying that Ray, like, she's all happy that Ray agreed. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. And Donna's like, oh, shit. What did I just do? So he's like, can we go talk in private? And they do. And he gets super yelly. He's like, I don't want to do it. She doesn't understand. This is what baffled me is that she just doesn't get why or why not. The, like he's getting so upset. Like, like you said, I, like they should have talked about it. Like she should have asked, well, why don't you want to do it? What's, what's the real problem? If you don't want to tell me in front of Claire and David, let's go talk about it. But no, she just refuses to understand. Yeah, and yeah, he gets really yelly about it. He, like, brings up her mother and, like, kind of throws it in her face. He storms out. Like, it is not the way that they should be handling this conversation. Well, and to be fair, this isn't really something that they've navigated before because, like, up until this point, they've been on the same team. Mm -hmm. And so ever since Felice threw that check, you know, in front of him, things have been a little weird. Yeah, I guess that's true because Donna has kind of, like, volunteered him to sing before and he's gone for it. It's just Mm -hmm. this time where he's like, I don't have a band. I don't do club music. You shouldn't do this. Right. So maybe Ray is kind of thinking, like, Apple may not fall so far and trying to stop Donna from, quote unquote, controlling him like Felice was trying to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think he storms out and we don't see him again. Like, Mm -mm. that's where they end. Yeah. Yeah. So all we know right now is that Ray's upset with Donna for her trying to schedule him to be the entertainment for the pee pad. And as far as we know, there is no entertainment for the pee pad. Which I still don't understand why David wouldn't just DJ or rap or something. I know. He's right there. Yeah. I kind of hope he does just because that makes sense to me. And we haven't seen it in a while. I'm ready for some new some new raps. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen it since before he did the meth. Oh, you're so right. It's it's about time, David. I think you're mm-hmm. ready. I think you've you're you're clean, you're in a good relationship, you're, you know, presumably still in therapy. He's been playing his piano. I think it's time to get back behind the DJ booth. I agree. We can only hope. And I guess we will find out next week because they said the pee pad opens next week. Oh, yeah. Good point. So for all intents and purposes, we're going to be going to the pee pad next week. I'm kind of excited for it. Me too. But that's next week. We still have a lot to talk about. (laughs) So before I tell you about Val, um, it's just really funny to me that – David is kind of going back to his roots in the sense that he's behind a camera again and he's like we're wanting him to do his music now. So we're like almost just like go back to being old David but less shitty. <laughs> kind I mean, of. 
David's interests weren't my problem, right? It was his attitude and the way he acted with it. So it's like, sure, David, go dance, go play music, go do whatever you want. Just be a good guy. Yeah. Videography, photography, totally fine. Taking pictures of Kelly through the blinds at her friend's house, not cool. Yeah, not good with that. Don't sign me up for that. Videography for your campus TV? Perfect. Love it. Keep going. By all means. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, Val went to Jamaica for winter break instead of Buffalo, but it's fine. Val called her mom and she understood. Kelly tells Brandon Val is a compulsive liar and encourages him to fact check Val's story. Brandon does and tells Kelly Val was telling the truth and now her mom is like, why are you asking me this? Kelly's like, oh well, I was wrong this time, but I've done four semesters of psych class so I know things. Sure, Britta. Later... (laughs) Sorry. Later, Val wants to borrow Kelly's notes to study. Kelly's like, no, I work hard and you don't even go to class. Why would I help you? Brandon says Kelly's going out of her way to be mean. Kelly says Val's a liar and a user and he'd better wise up. Anyway, on the day of her final, Kelly oversleeps and Val is the one to call her and check in so she doesn't miss it. Kelly apologizes later for being a bitch. Val says it's fine, but she owes her. I loved the storyline for Valerie, if only because we are back to her being somewhat of a villain, but, like, nobody knows it. Like, we barely know it at this point. (laughs) Well, okay, so what's interesting to me is I could have sworn, like, in the past couple episodes, Kelly has just, like, totally forgiven Valerie and they've agreed to be friends, but then every time Valerie does literally anything, Kelly's like, that fucking bitch. <laughs> She's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> like, literally. So, yeah, it opens up, first of all, when they're studying together, Brandon pulls out of the fridge in the pantry a giant jar of pickles for Kelly and a thing of cookies for him. Which, like, don't get me wrong, I love cookies and I love pickles. But I was like, why has Kelly only eaten pickles? Hmm? Maybe she needed more electrolytes for something. I don't know. (laughs) They're also, like, notoriously low-calorie. Yeah. That's what I was clocking. Like, if only because Brandon was eating cookies while she was eating pickles. That's fair. Yeah. I would still always pick a pickle over a cookie. Well, and I was going to say, I don't have a sweet tooth. I also don't like pickles. But if given the option, I probably still might choose the pickle. See, I'd probably be really weird about it and have, like, a cookie and then a pickle because, like, the salty and the sweet. Like, I'm Mm. sure it would not mesh well. But she's also got a soda, so. Yeah. So what do we know? (laughs) I have a massive sweet tooth. I will eat just about anything. And I love pickles. (laughs) Oh, man. But, yeah, so, like, Kelly's studying English. Brandon's studying economics. Val comes sweeping in. And, yep, she didn't go to Buffalo. She went to Jamaica. And nice thing for her, though, she brought souvenirs, which we didn't even get to see. I know. It's like, what you I wanted them? to see. It made me think of when um, Ben and Leslie and Parks and Recreation come back from their honeymoon <laughs> and they're handing out the uh, the souvenirs and they throw Andy just a pack of white T-shirts or something. <laughs> He's like, thanks, I was out. <laughs> so, okay. I just thought of something. The souvenirs were the lie. 
Kelly Ooh. detected a lie, and that was the lie. Could Interesting. be. Interesting. Because, yeah, she says that she's supposed to go back to Buffalo, but she couldn't bring herself to do it. So she called her mom, got her flights changed, just went to Jamaica for over however long she was supposed to be gone, which – like, all of these different things, I'm just sitting here and I was like, okay, well, I've got the change fees. Then I have to find somewhere to stay in Jamaica. Then I have to do all of this. It's Christmas on, you know, the island. Everything's going to be booked. That's where my brain went. Maybe she didn't go at all and she just told her mom she was and she believed her. I I don't know. Maybe we're being more like Kelly here and we're like, ah, uh, she lied. She's lying. She's a lying liar who lies. Right. Like, I'm sure it's totally fine. Whatever. But yeah, Kelly is literally just like, absolutely not. She's a compulsive liar. I've taken four semesters of psychology. I know. Which also, they've only been in college for three semesters. Ooh. So did Kelly do summer school, though? She could have. I don't think so. We don't see the summer episodes anymore. Maybe she's counting class with Lucinda as an abnormal psychology class. <laughs> Certainly was abnormal. <laughs> I just, it just feels like one of those things she said it, and I was like, we haven't been around that. I even looked up when this episode happened, which also finals in January after Christmas again. Yep. Was this a thing? I don't know anybody who went to college in the 90s. I feel like I need to ask. I mean, it probably it could have been. I mean, because think about it. They started school later. Because, like, when we were in, like, first grade or something, we were still starting school in September. Now they freaking start in July. So, who knows? I don't know. I don't know. It's just getting me. Every time <laughs> they, like, leave for f Christmas break and then come back to finals, like, that just seems so counterintuitive. I would have forgotten every single thing I learned. Yeah, that would have been terrible. Like, no wonder they're cramming now that they're, like, officially back on campus. Which I love that, like... We've never seen Brandon in classes. This is the only time where he's like, oh, yeah, I'm taking economics. It's like, of course you are. Of course you are. Yeah. It, it, Kelly has to take the English one and you take the business related one. Anywho. Yeah. So she's just like set on the fact that Val's a liar. She doesn't like her. Um, later on at the Walsh house, like she, well, before this, she even, like Mary said, asked Brandon to like confirm with Val's mom, which is a little excessive. But what's even more excessive is that Brandon actually does it, right? Like <laughs> she calls Mrs. Malone. It's like, Mrs. Malone, was your daughter really in Jamaica? Well, and like, you know, Brandon did it. And he was just like, Mrs. Malone is going to confirm Valerie's story. And then I get to rub this in Kelly's face. And then he does tell her like, oh, yeah, I called her and she knew all about it. And Kelly just goes, Oh, well. Yeah, like, okay. Cool. <laughs> Doesn't change the fact that she's a liar. Maybe she didn't lie about that, but she's a user and she's a liar. She's a pusher. She pushes people, Brandon. <laughs> I thought of something else. What if Val just told Brandon, Kelly, and her mom the same lie? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's highly like, possible. And yeah, to be fair, Val just like really flits into these like three scenes total right like we don't see mm -hmm. her the rest of this episode yeah it I mean clearly Kelly has some unresolved issues with the fact that you know what Val did to Dylan and Steve and what she's done and all this kind of stuff but like yeah we don't even really get the chance to like sink our teeth into it because Valerie just like goes in and out um to the point where it's all speculation 
Yeah. And I mean, I will say Kelly has been right pretty much every single time so far. So I'm sure something is going to come out of this. But like, I do kind of love just like Val comes in and asks for her notes and Kelly just looks at her completely straight faced. It's like, I worked my butt off in that class. Why would I share them with somebody who doesn't even bother to show up? It's like, oh my gosh. Which like, I have to admit, kind of fair because then like, and and that's not just, it won't take anything away from Kelly doing well in her final, but it's the principle of the thing. It's like, why? Like you could have taken your own notes if you showed up to class. Like I get this because I was this kind of student. Like I was like, I show up, I work hard and I still don't get a better grade than somebody who just waltzes in. You know, like there's some people that just are really good and don't have to study. No, I had to study all the freaking time and it paid off because I did well. But like I would have been Kelly in this, not necessarily to the point where like Valerie was a compulsive liar and my abnormal psychology, but I would have definitely been like, um, you can see like some of my notes, but I'm not going to give you every single thing I wrote down. Give me the dates of the classes you missed. Those are the only ones you get. <laughs> Dude, I would seriously consider that. <laughs> but I love that Kelly was both Britta and Annie in this episode. <laughs> she really is. Oh my God. It's true. But then it gets to the day of the final. And Kelly's asleep in bed and Val calls her and is like, oh my gosh, you're about to miss your final. Are you on your way here? And that's when Kelly realizes she overslept. Val says she's covering for her and Kelly rushes out and they both take the final. It's totally fine, whatever. But then at the end of the episode, Kelly thanks Val. Val tells Kelly to stop feeling guilty because she was like, I did fine enough. I'm sure I'm okay on the final, but you owe me. And one of these days, I'll collect. Oh, it was so good. I was like, yes, Villain Val is back in the mix. I'm I'm very excited for whatever favor she collects. I hope it's good and it's not just like Kelly goes and does something stupid and Val's like, your favor to me is that you have to stop hurting yourself and you have to come be our friend again. Right. No, it's got to be legit like Valerie – is about to be arrested for money laundering and the only way out is somehow Kelly Taylor. (laughs) Say you did it, Kelly. (laughs) I love it. Like, this was so, like, Emily Gilmore. Like, this is the shit Emily Gilmore pulls on Lorelai. She has this long con of, like, I'm going to do this thing. I take these steps. I'm going to be a sweet baby angel about it. I'm going to do something for you that you won't even expect. You're going to think I'm being super nice. And then you pull the string and you say something like, I'll collect. And you just, ooh. Like, I'm surprised Kelly didn't, like, faint upon hearing that. She did the thing. She just immediately starts sweating. Yes. Like, like, oh, chef's kiss. So good. I can't wait. I love it. And yeah, I really want to find out if Val actually went to Jamaica or not. And if she did, what souvenir is this going to be like? Is it also in Parks and Rec where they just give Jerry stuff they found at the airport? Yes. (laughs) Val just like stopped at LAX and bought everybody snow globes from LAX right like a sweatshirt that says Los Angeles on it (laughs) (laughs) scratched it out and wrote Jamaica 
Los Jamaica. <laughs> L-A-X stands for loving all Jamaica. <laughs> that's just oh, how they yeah. do J's. <laughs> yeah, that's how they pronounce the J in Jamaica. It's really spelled like Lameka, but it's pronounced Jamaica. <laughs> The X just stands for the rest of the words or the yes. letters. And uh, on that note, <laughs> yeah, I guess it is it finally time to talk to Steve. Talk about Steve. Yeah, are you Go ready to get Steven. sad? <laughs> I guess so. Ugh. Steve goes to the old folks' home to get a signature for not doing his community service, but ends up sticking around to do his community service when an Emmy-winning actor who used to be on the Hartley House with Steve's mom gives him his pea sheets to wash. Saul Howard won't stop calling Steve Chucky, but he has jokes and card tricks and Alzheimer's, which really sucks. Steve spends more time with Saul, who has no living family, even when cynical old people boss Mr. Warren tells him not to waste his time. That's all I have to say about that. Whoa, really? Yep. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like, that's really it. Like, Steve shows up at this retirement home, like, very much expecting this privilege that we've been told about, that he is not going to have to do his community service. He just would have had to, like, actually pay the fine and be done with it. It's just that when he shows up, it gets a little weird because he shows up as they're taking a deceased resident out and then he runs into Saul Howard who used to work on the Hartley house and that Steve knew when he was a kid like I genuinely feel like if he had not run into Saul he would never have stuck around and like that's not that great Steve like you don't get credit for staying just because of Saul I know it was very conflicting for me on like a lot of levels the first being that Mr. Warren just allows this kind of stuff to happen you know like you know because steve upon seeing the man rolling out on a gurney which was an interesting choice um and then seeing saul and meeting him he still is just not even he has no compassion for any of these folks like even after seeing a dead guy and somebody that his mom knew like that's wild to me but then he walks into the office and mr warren could be could not be any less interested in this, but because he knows Steve is just a rich white boy whose dad's going to take care of it. And he literally even says, like, um, he complains with all the rich kids with the rich daddies who take care of things. And mm. Steve just acts smug about it. Like, he's, like, giggling and, like, smirking at Mr. Warren. And he just acts like a rich kid and walks out, or at least tries to, and then Saul talks to him. That's it. That's it. Yeah, like, he asks Mr. Warren after Mr. Warren signs the papers, like, oh, what was I supposed to do here anyway? And he lists off all these chores, and he's like, you know, all these things that spoiled rich kids from Beverly Hills wouldn't want to do. And I feel like, again, yeah, if he hadn't run into Saul after this, he would have <clears throat> gotten into his car, drove back to Keg House, and just, like, talked about how he just got out of having to, you know, change diapers and wipe drool off of people's faces and blah, blah, blah. And all of these guys would have had a laugh Mm -hmm. At the sake of old people, which is, you know, kind of funny because they will all be in that position at some point. Oh, yeah. And that and that irony would be completely lost on them, too. Oh, for but, sure. Like, I think, too, it's like Steve. Steve almost gets out of it, but then Saul stops him. 
So then he goes back. So at least he kind of like follows up on the task at hand, I guess. But it's almost, it's not even the fact that it's Saul and it's not even the fact that he's an old person. And it's not even the fact that he is embarrassed by something that happened because he's old. It's the fact that Saul hated Rush. So they bond over the fact that they hate Steve's dad and love Samantha, which it's it's not super clear like how Steve really feels about Samantha, but like they don't necessarily have a bad relationship, not like he and Rush do. But so then he goes on to talk about how he had kids and he lost his daughter to a car accident and blah, 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 blah. So it wasn't even until the fact that he mentioned Rush that Steve was even invested at all. Yeah, it's... It's really conflicting. Like, so kind of a fun fact about this whole storyline. Um, Ian Ziering gets a story by credit on this episode yep. because he helped build this story. And I like, I'm so curious what parts he put in and what parts anybody else put in that are like, you know, professional writers for TV and whatnot. Cause like, it's not a horrible look for Steve, but it's also not a very good one. Right. Because, like, the whole parent thing where, you know, they talk about how much they hate Rush. Saul says that he had a daughter who died in a car accident. Like, all of that's going to come back later because they get interrupted by Mr. Warren, who then, like, Steve and him talk, and Steve agrees it's going to do his hours. And then Mr. Warren – or Saul makes a joke to Mr. Warren that he has Jewish Alzheimer's where you forget everything but the guilt, which is, like, him trying to make light of the fact that he actually has Alzheimer's. Right. And we do see, you know, a pretty lucid Saul every now and then. Like, we, you know, cut forward. Steve is doing his hours. He's, like, handing people out uh, jello or, you know, whatever at lunch. And Saul wants to show Steve a card trick. Cute, adorable, whatever. And then Mr. Warren yells at Steve to get back to work, which, like, I don't know. I feel like he's having fun with the residents. Like, that's part of the job. Yeah, I mean, in that moment, it was less about, like, the fact that somebody was there. It was the fact that a rich kid, Steve, was there, you know. So, like, Warren was, like, already fed up with him and not wanting to – because he didn't think he was going to take it seriously and whatnot. So he was probably just like, yeah, get back to work. Stop, like, messing around. But to your point, it's like sometimes, like, that's what these folks need is just companion. Yeah, like, it just feels like this this storyline very particularly kind of jumps – around a lot of places and it feels like they don't really get to a lot of good points mm-hmm. I guess literally other than the whole rush thing right because like I almost feel like this could have been better served if it was a bottle episode or maybe that's not the right word for it based on our research on what types <laughs> of episodes are called but an episode where it was only about Steve and Saul or Steve and the nursing home experience and still maybe even have the scene later on where we see the whole gang at the peach pit, but clearly make, you know, most of the 43 minutes we have about Stephen Saul. So it didn't have to feel as rushed as it felt because like almost immediately after we get the, um, the scene where Steve has to like, Steve gets in trouble for sitting around and, and watching the card trick. Then we get a good scene with Steve wanting to get Saul out of the nursing home and get him somewhere else to eat. He wants to take him. He wants to give him another experience, like blah, blah, blah. And they agree to it. And so it's like all exciting and happy. And then again, 
we go from almost like super high, really positive moment to just down, down, down. And I would have liked to have seen a better progression, I guess, which I mean, I can't fault it too much because sometimes Alzheimer's like just hits and you can't control it. I I don't know. There was just something about the pace of the scenes that threw me off and wished I had a little bit more depth to it. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely times where we have these like harder hitting storylines or like attempts at them, whatever, where I wish some of these ensemble, like this was more like other ensemble shows where like, you know, okay, this week we're going to focus on this character and like, we'll see the other ones, you know, pass in and out of their life, but this week is going to be a Steve episode and then we'll see Mm -hmm. everybody at the peach pit. And then next week is going to be a Kelly episode and we'll see everybody on campus. And then the next week is going to be an Andrea, like something like that. Skins did a really, really good job at that type of storytelling. That's Hmm. exactly what I was thinking of. Interesting. Yeah. Cause like, Steve goes back and he goes to get Saul so that they can go to the peach pit. And yeah, like we don't see anything where Steve tries to go talk to Mr. Warren or anybody tries to talk him out of it. And he does it anyway, which I do think like, you know, Saul kind of does. He says he doesn't walk really good, um, but he goes to see Saul. Saul can't remember him. And this is when the nurse tells him like he has Alzheimer's. Like he he did tell you this. Yeah. You just... Yeah, and, like, he'll – he's going to forget people, and he gets confused and scared when he forgets, which totally makes sense. I mean, uh, John's grandmother, like, Alzheimer's, like, really hit her over the past year, like, especially with not being able to have people come visit her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, she gets scared when she thinks, like, she – at uh, my sister-in-law's wedding, like, she thought she lost her keys. Mm-hmm. And she didn't have keys, like – she, she did not drive. She doesn't need a key to get into her room at her nursing home. But she got convinced that she lost her keys. And so, like, we had to calm her down and be like, we'll find your keychain. It's totally, like, we will find it. Yeah. And that's tough. Like, that, that to me, the scene where Saul was really afraid and, and couldn't remember Steve, that felt super real but it was like immediately after that. We don't even get a different scene for a different like storyline from this episode. We immediately get like a commercial break, I think, and then another scene with Steven Saul where he's fine. Yeah. And he he's like, "Steve, where the hell have you been?" You know, like, you know, we're supposed to go out to eat and he like rattles off facts that he shows clearly that he remembers. And I think that to me was like the little bit of a dis- disconnect because I think it would have made more sense for like Steve to talk to Mr. Warren about it or give some time or I don't know like I yeah it was just very whiplash to me yeah it like and it, it it does that over and over again like they get to the peach pit Nat recognizes Saul shakes his hand Steve introduces him to the gang um Saul shows them a card trick but then they ask him I think they ask him like uh, Claire says she loves him in a movie and then Donna asks mm-hmm. him what he won his Emmy for and he can't remember and just like you can see his face completely shut down because he doesn't remember and he doesn't know what to do and he tries to show them the same card trick that he just showed them. Right. And obviously like he's starting to get angry because then Steve recognizes what's happening and he says we should go home and, and Saul definitely doesn't want that because 
I think that was a very realistic thing for us to see is that like when older people are going through something like this, they get upset very quickly and they don't want to be treated like a baby. And that's kind of what Steve does. Like I appreciate like Steve was trying to do it in a very like positive way and like not baby him, but it's really hard not to when you're the one who has to kind of be in control. Um, so that was at least good from from that side of things. But yeah, it was just it was hard to watch. It was sad. Yeah, I do, I do appreciate that it seems like Steve called Nat ahead of time mm-hmm. and was like, this is the chicken sandwich that he wants. Like, this is what we agreed upon. So like when we get here, can you go ahead and get that ready so that he can eat it? Yeah, for sure. No, I did like that. Yeah, because yeah, like they sit down and within like 45 seconds, Nat's like, here's that very specific chicken sandwich that you asked for. I was yep. like, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, Saul gets really upset. Steve needs to, you know, box up lunch, take him back to the uh, nursing home. And then the next time we see them, Steve is visiting Saul again. And Saul says that Rush raised him right. And Steve is like, oh, we're not really talking right now. Because as we all remember, Rush doesn't believe that he didn't start the fire and steal the keys. And I think this is just, like, a kind of a personal thing for me that I didn't like this because Saul is like, you've got a good life. You need to stop complaining. My daughter hated me, too. We made up just before she died, and I'll never forget that. But, like, if you have a very toxic relationship with your parent, like, you shouldn't feel like you have to make up with them and maintain a relationship just because, like, they gave birth to you. Yeah, and – it's also a two-way street, you know? So it's like Steve could do all the reaching out he wanted to. Steve could say all the right things. He could even apologize for things he doesn't need to apologize for. That doesn't change Rush. That doesn't that doesn't mean Rush is, is ready to accept that apology or give one himself. Um, so while I understand the sentiment, you know, it's like you, life's too short is basically the sentiment. Like you want to tell the people you love that you love them. Um but yeah, life is just complicated. Well, and I feel like, yeah, if you have a toxic relationship with your parent, it, the argument could work the other way. Life is short. You shouldn't waste your energy trying to force a relationship with someone that you don't want to have a relationship with. Sure. Yeah. And like Rush and Steve have never gotten along. I mean, we see a couple of times that Rush shows up and everybody else just like gets all buddy-buddy with him. And then Steve kind of gets a little gaslit by the situation to be like, oh, my dad isn't that bad. And then Rush proves that he's a piece of shit and makes Steve feel bad about himself. Yeah. I mean, it's very, especially with a father and son kind of relationship, it's that little bit of a competition, a little bit of the living in the glory years, a little bit of the, I need to prove that I'm better than you situation. I mean, it just literally made me think of Wondery Hill, which, you know, even past the pilot, like, Dan and Nathan have a horrible relationship, very not too dissimilar to Stephen Rush, where literally at one point, like, which you guys didn't get to meet the wonderful Deb Scott, Nathan's mom, but she is wonderful. And the girls on <clears throat> the podcast, the the OTH podcast drama queens absolutely are in love with her, cannot stop talking about how much they love her. But anyway, she basically forces Dan to go to counseling 
or make things right with your son or you won't see him. And so Dan takes him out to like this father-son weekend, which was technically originally supposed to be for Dan and Deb because he was trying to make up for being a dick. But he takes Nathan anyway and they go for a round of golf and he just is like criticizing him the whole time. And finally Nathan blows up and is like, this is just another chance for you to pick me apart and tell me how much better you are. Like, don't even try to hide what this weekend is, basically. You know, like, this is just another chance for you to be better, quote unquote. And so I think to that point, like, Steve probably feels that a lot from Rush. Like, like you said, it's a toxic relationship and they've never had a good one. So at a certain point, it's like, why start now? You know? They also literally went golfing together and Rush made him feel bad the entire time they were golfing. And almost made him... Or did he make him cheat? I don't remember. No, I think Steve called him out for the cheating because he was cheating. That's right. And like, yeah, they got a little like makeup scene. And I don't even remember how we felt about that at that point. But (laughs) like Rush has shown up enough times since then. And the times that like, like when Steve's car got stolen and he cried because Mm -hmm. he was just like, my dad is going to think like my dad's going to be so pissed at me. He's going to be so mad. Like this is not a good relationship. Like I'm not in the Steve and Rush should be best friends boat. I'm not going to yeah. get on that train. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. And, you know, Steve comes back again later. Uh, there's a nurse saying that he's been a great help with Saul. He goes out to the painting class and Saul is just like slack faced. It's like he is, his eyes are vacant. He's not paying attention. He can't hold a paintbrush or anything. And like, Steve is really upset about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I mean, and he doesn't know what to do. Um, all he can think of to do is to just bring him back to his room, which made me think, like, why wouldn't a worker notice this and take him back? But, you know, it plot, it's for the show. Yeah, I'm starting to realize for the sake of the plot, these workers are not very attentive. No. He took Saul all. out. <laughs> Didn't sign him out for all we know. I really wrote in my notes that I'm pretty sure Steve is about to get in trouble for stealing an old man. Oh, I mean, he should have, especially when, like, he had a problem at the restaurant and then he has to bring him back later. Like, somebody is going to notice all of this. They're going to see the takeout in Saul's room and be like, where did you get this? And he's going to be like, Steve took me to the peach pit. Like, no, Steve should get in trouble. 100%. And, like, even then, once Steve kind of brings him back into his room, he then brings him some peach pie. Saul still doesn't seem lucid at all. Still kind of the same look he had when he was at the watercolor or the painting thing. And Steve tries everything he can think of, at least. And then finally, he, like, picks up his keys out of his pocket and, like, jingles him. And Saul's, like, alert. And it was... Only because, you know, when Steve offered to take him out earlier, he was, like, super obsessed with his car. He absolutely loves Steve's uh, vet, I believe. Yeah. And um, even was being funny about, like, wanting to drive. Like, I'm older than you. Like, I've driven longer than you have. Like, blah, blah, blah. And Steve's like, no, nah, dude, you're not driving. Like, it was kind of that, – that was a cute scene. Um and finally, the end, The episode ends with essentially having a very similar banter to when they originally saw Steve's car, and he wants to take uh, Saul for a ride, and Saul wants to drive. 
You you can't just take old people out of the place. I know. You just leave can't. them be. Leave them be. <laughs> Let him have his peach pie. Man, or like bring him another chicken sandwich or something. I, yeah. Okay. Over under on whether we will ever hear the name Saul ever again. I'll set it. I'll set it at three times. I'm honestly feeling like one. Okay, so you take the under. I take the under. I think we'll push. I'm going to just go in the middle for two. <laughs> so you take the under as well. Yeah, that's probably, uh, to be fair, I probably should have said it at two, but I was being a little optimistic. Watch them like, say it four times. Ha. Four, four times in the next episode and then never again. Yeah, right. Right. It's like out of the whole rest of the how many episodes we have left, five seasons, it's going to be like four times tomorrow and then <laughs> no times the rest. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, I realized today we've got like 170 episodes left of this show. Have we reached like the median yet? No. No. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> we won't reach that until next year. Cool, cool, cool. 2022. Good Lord. Oh boy. You guys have signed up for a journey, huh? You can never not be friends with me. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Anybody got anything else left to say about this episode? Um, no, there really wasn't much. <laughs> no, I'll just use this for my guest for quote of the week, actually. Okay. Dr. Laundry saying, before or after you flunked your home pregnancy test. <laughs> Which I did enjoy that. To that, I have to say, okay, Dr. Laundry, she obviously passed her pregnancy test. She's a mom. <laughs> Yeah, you're getting your words wrong here, Dr. Laundry. Oh, that's a good one. Yep. Okay, so I'm going to go with Valerie after she gets Kelly into the psych uh, final, and she says, one of these days, I'll collect. Ding, ding, fucking ding. Like, <laughs> it had to uh, be. It was, it had, I literally wrote no other quotes down. I Well, I take that back. I may have written... One other. Where is it? I know I did. Where are you? Where are you? Oh, just yeah. I wrote down Jewish Alzheimer's because I'd never heard it before. Yeah, I think the only other thing I wrote down was when Saul really likes Steve's car and Steve goes, it's a Corvette. And Saul goes, I'm old, not blind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would have been a good one too. Yeah, but no, it had to have been Valerie because it was not just the words, but it was the look, right? It was the dangling and then the drop. It was just... Whoo boy, and it got me real excited for future episodes. So that was the only one I could have been. Mary, did you have a moment? Um, the same as my quote. Like that was ridiculous. You should <laughs> know that positive means passing, right? <laughs> You're a doctor, supposedly. <laughs> my God, what if he's not a doctor? What if he's just like at the hospital? Oh my God, he's stalking Andrea. Oh my, oh my God. God, he's. What if he's like Dr. Death? Oh, my God. Andrea, look for a hole in his scrubs. Look for a <laughs> hole in his scrubs. <laughs> oh, my God. I do, like, nothing would make me happier than if, like, they start hanging out for whatever reason. If this, like, if that's going to be what it does, 
they're hanging out and she like says something medical and he just doesn't pick it up and she's like that's literally the first thing you learn in medical school who are you oh man yeah like what if it's even something along the lines of like the hippocratic oath or something like she's got like shivers inside i'm sure that's not at all what was gonna what's gonna happen but But that would be i'd be okay yeah that'd be fascinating oh man well what is gonna happen what's next week uh one other than the pee pad opening all right um we hope i hope they like actually carry that forward um so next week we have season five episode 17 sweating it out what was the name of the episode when brenda and kelly go to the uh workout class uh what's that cardio funk Cardio oh, fun. yeah, you got it. Nice call. Was that season three? It was season two. Ah, oh, I was already in the wrong season. Yeah, because that was when she and Dylan were dating, because that was the time that Dylan cheated on her with Betty, and she cheated on Dylan with the guy from class. Yep, sure was. I'm sure they're not just going to re-sleeve that episode into a new episode where Brandon and Kelly cheat on each other. How fun, I was just going to say, how fun it is that in the episode, like, that that happened in this season, Brandon cheated with Emily Valentine, and Kelly cheated with a house fire. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to guess where you were going before you said that, and I was like, wait, did she do anything with Allison? Only in my dreams. Right? (laughs) (laughs) We wish. This podcast wishes. Yeah, but they did kind of do the same thing. Like, the episode after that, like, having um, Brandon secretly talking to Emily and Kelly secretly talking to Dylan and Emily secretly talking to both of them. True. Just just thruple them. Just throw them all together. For real. That would be a lot. That would be probably too much, but this much of me wants it it's a little (laughs) pinch emoji for the folks at home (laughs) oh man well yeah i guess we'll find out what that is next week so until then you can follow us on twitter and instagram at back to podcast shoot us over an email with your questions your comments your thoughts and your concerns at back to podcast at gmail.com That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. You should go into your podcast app and rate, review, share, like, subscribe. Tell all your friends and family about it. Just like send it in a group text to your family. I know you have one. But those things really help us get seen. They help us build a community. Like it does help us give you a better product just by building the listener base. And if you leave us a review, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I am the renegade poet of our times. I'm that lady that's going to sit behind Dylan on a bus and talk to him about smutty books. And I have my driver's license. Just don't look at the date. Bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs>